This is the Annex Wealth Management SWAT podcast, episode number 13, August 22nd. It is Monday. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. It's insight and perspective for members of the Annex Wealth Management Investment Committee. I'm Danny Clayton, joined in the studio. Blaine Disrood, a CFA, a trader, and a research analyst at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome. Thanks, Danny. Trevor Nargis, a trader and research analyst. Welcome to you. Morning, Danny. I'd like to welcome all the new listeners of this podcast. We had a patio party at Annex Wealth Management. And every studio tour that came in, I urged people to listen to this because it really does dig in deep. And I have really learned a lot from it. It's one of our favorite things that we're doing at Annex Wealth Management. So if you're new to it and you like it, make sure you tell a friend as well. Trevor, what do we got going this week? Speaking of digging in deep, one area that we wanted to look into this week was fixed income. It's been a really interesting year in the space, and so Blaine and I wanted to take a dive into it. Uh, One of the reasons we wanted to go into fixed income is we give equity is a lot of focus. Uh, there's a lot of discussion around that. But fixed income is a majority of individuals' portfolios. And we've had quite the year in fixed income itself, just with what the returns have been and wanted to go over what's going on in this space and kind of see what, what strengths, weaknesses, and opportunities uh, there might be. Nobody brags at parties about their fixed income, though, do they? No. It's meant to be kind of that ballast, if you will. We'll probably say that word a few times. But this last year, it really hasn't been uh, necessarily that ballast that people expect. So we wanted to kind of go over why that might be and what might be changing going forward. Main strength, the current debt structure of a lot of companies out in the marketplace right now. There's been low defaults over the last two years, somewhat to be expected given all the liquidity that got thrown into the economy from uh, the relief that we saw out of the different stimulus packages and so forth. That was the big first strength that we had. But, you know, with companies being so well capitalized, how do you see things playing out over the next few years when they might have to reissue? And that's something that will definitely need to be monitored going forward. But for the most part, the the restructuring that they did was taking short-term debt over the course of the next five years, let's say, bringing that back, buying it back more or less, which is they called in their their bonds, then went and reissued that debt at really low rates going out 10, 15, 20 years. So going forward, there really isn't a wall of debt that's coming to maturity, uh, which we have seen over the course of history. But in a good way, there that really isn't a wall that we have coming up. There will be some restructuring that will likely have to happen with some of the companies that have lower quality debt, but those are few and far between at the moment. For weaknesses, Trevor, I believe we wanted to talk about the inversion. And kind of the headline weakness there is that, you know, spreads have widened. They could very well continue to widen. With the Fed determined to continue to hike rates, definitely something that is a, a very real potential kind of threat and weakness. We are in one of the fastest hiking cycles of the past 40 years. And I think with the Fed really determined to rein in inflation, I know the last print came in lower than expected, but we're still at 8.5% year over year, and the Fed really wants to bring that down. So with them determined to make conditions a little stricter and bring inflation down, they're going to have to hike rates, and you could very well see spreads widen as a result of that. And I think a lot of people hear the word inversion, but might not totally understand what that means. So we'll just break that down real quick. Uh, It's when your two-year yield on a treasury is higher than what your yield would be on a 10-year treasury. So you're getting paid more to own something that's shorter term. And that's from financial theory just doesn't add up. And that's why we have the, the word inversion. It's backwards. Yeah. And it typically happens because people are 
a little more worried about what things are going to be like down the road. There's more uncertainty. So they want to do what they can and kind of harbor up right now in the short term and kind of hunker down in a sense um, because they're they're more unsure about what things are going to be like in the future. So people would pile more into a two-year than a 10-year. Would that affect the 10-year then? It does over time. So what's really happening is you have inflation as high as it is right now. And looking out over the next 10 years, is inflation going to stay at this 8% that we see? And the expectations is no. So to go out 10 years, your inflation break even is around 2.5%. So people are expecting inflation to come back down to that 2.5% level. And to go out 10 years to get compensated for that, they're saying, oh, we don't need to get paid the 3% or 3 plus percent that we see in the market right now on the two year. We can actually get compensated for less, lock that in and be comfortable with that payment. Going back to that spreads note that we just touched on, Blaine, what are you seeing in the high yield space? Because that's typically one of the main areas of focus when people talk about spreads. Yep. Spreads really widened in June. Uh, We saw spreads get as wide as 6%, and spreads are when the bond on a high-yield corporate note is subtracted from the treasury. So if I'm getting paid 8% on, let's say, some high-yield debt, subtract that from my treasury, which is, let's say, a 2%, I have a 6% spread. And that's what we saw in June. Typically, over time, that trades somewhere around the 3% range uh, is what normal spreads are. So almost a double of what we saw compared to normal. And then in recessionary periods, those spreads can widen as far as 8 or even 10%. So we're not in that or we haven't seen that yet, but we have seen spreads widen, which is a signal, again, of potential recession. Another weakness kind of related to spreads here is that you know markets in general are considering the a greater possibility of recession as we move on here. As a result of that, they're also anticipating rate cuts later down the road. Now, it's probably a little premature to do so, given that the Fed still has a ways to go as far as hiking rates. But those growth concerns in general have brought down longer-term treasuries, as we've seen, right? Ten-year kind of peaked back in back in June for the year. Uh, and that's also helped to widen credit spreads. So I think, I think that's a weakness in and of itself, is that the market might be getting a little too optimistic too soon about rate cuts. I think we need to get things under control first. Yeah, and don't fight the Fed. We're kind of fighting the Fed here with this most recent rally, is what, what actually is being signaled. Going into opportunities, positive real yields. We actually have them. <laughs> uh, we did not over the last several years. Um, and what we mean by that, again, is inflation minus what you're actually receiving on your bond or your treasury, that net return was actually a negative number previously. And now we're we're seeing real yields actually become positive, which is a good thing. Right. Your rates are higher. Valuations are a little more reasonable given corporate positioning. They could go higher, but defaults are low, right? Yeah. You know, to get real yields positive and low default rates, given what we had seen over the last few years, is a way for investors now who have fixed income or are looking to invest in some sort of fixed income, it's a good opportunity to start working some capital towards that asset class. There's that area of it, but from a time frame standpoint, where on the curve do you think some of the opportunities lie right now? Yeah, that's a really good question. The old saying is like, find the steepest part of the curve and invest there. Right now, that's in that two to three year area. If you are of the opinion that we will 
see inflation come down significantly and interest rates drop significantly from where current levels are, that might not be the best spot to go. You might actually want to look further out the curve, which would be locking in lower rates than what you could get on a two to three year. But in the grand scheme of things, you're locking in higher rates than what you might see five, 10 years down the road. So it comes down to what your strategy is and what, what your opinion is of the markets going out. Let's pivot into threats here as kind of our last category. I'll let you start off and take it away. Yeah, we wrote down correlation to equities uh, has become more elevated and has actually remained elevated. Uh, and we could see that continue over the next while, I should say. I think one thing to kind of jump into, you know, we mentioned that we might use the word ballast more than once in in this episode. And that's a very real threat is that going forward, fixed income doesn't act as much of a ballast for a portfolio as it traditionally has been. Yeah, we, I mean, the 60-40 conversation, 60% stocks, 40% bonds. At least I've seen articles and people talk about how that has had one of the worst starts to the year of any year going back almost 40 years. So it's something where you think you have diversification, but the diversification is not actually playing out the way it, you planned. Well, and that's what's made this year hurt a little more for some people, right? It's always, like you mentioned earlier, it's always easier. Uh, it's always more popular to talk about what's going on in the equity markets. But many investors also have that fixed income segment of their portfolio. So when you're getting hit on both ends, I don't want to say it hurts twice as much, but it surely does not feel good. The reason why that correlation has really come up is due to how low interest rates got. When interest rates went down as low as they did, bond prices all came up. That's simple math. But then the equity side of the portfolio or the equity markets increased in value as well because people were trying to find a different place to invest that capital. They didn't necessarily want to put money into fixed income because they were getting such low returns. As interest rates come back up, people start pulling money out of the stock market. Interest rates are rising, which means bond prices are coming down. And now you have that correlation between stocks and bonds moving more in sync than they have in the past. When we went through kind of the 80s, we saw a similar breakdown of where actually correlation came up. And then actually flowing into the 90s, which we might start working towards that sort of same economic framework, where actually growth starts to take hold at some point again, and inflation isn't such a, a focus. Uh, and that's where you'll see those correlations start to back off again. But going forward, that correlation might remain elevated. Absolutely. Another area where we see some threats, you know, we we just talked about that high yield space earlier. That's that's often one area that people look at as far as defaults are concerned, right? Higher yield debt, they're they're paying you a higher rate because it's a little more riskier for them to borrow from you, right? You're not as likely to get paid back when you're dealing with higher yield debt. I think uh, if defaults become a little more exaggerated than expected, definitely going to be something to watch out for. Especially since we've seen such a low percentage of defaults compared to historical norms. It's a focus on fixed income on this week's SWAT podcast. What is our headline strength, guys? Current debt structure of corporations. Uh, they're mostly well capitalized, looking out over the next few years, and the default risk should remain relatively low. Our headline weakness. The inversion of the yield curve spreads widen already and you know the weakness is that they continue to widen you know you have a fed determined to continue to raise rates so that outlook there might not be too rosy how about headline opportunity uh positive real yields the fact that you're getting compensated now to own fixed income for the most part 
And our headline threat, the correlation to equities. The threat there is that that correlation remains elevated. And as a result, fixed income doesn't act like as much of a ballast for your portfolio as it traditionally has. Great episode, guys. Trevor Nargis, trader and research analyst. Thank you. Thanks, Danny. Blaine Disrude, CFA, trader and research analyst, Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. Thanks, Danny. Annex Wealth Management, LLC, is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. The opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect on those of Annex Wealth Management, LLC. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice, or a recommendation or a solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risk. Neither Annex Wealth Management LLC nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.